Welcome to The Money Hour with host Tina Mitchell and co-host Keelan Harvey. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, and Keelan Harvey, MLO 133075, are licensed loan originators with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, and MLS 7233. The views expressed by the speakers on the following program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC. Now, in the studio, local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. Welcome to the Money Art, 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, March 30th show. I am your host, Tina Mitchell. And your co-host, Keelan Harvey. You're a local mortgage experts bringing in expert advice and inside knowledge on today's events in our local economy and how it will affect your money. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but we're here to answer any questions or connect you with the guests that we have on the show. Please call into the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's one 855 411150 or online at themoneyhour.com. And our lineup for the show today, we have Pam Ranch with Keller Williams Realty, Puget Sound, 10 Ways to Help Real Estate Agents. Also in studio, we had Sean, we have Sean Winkler with HomeSmart, Iron Realty, Mill Creek, the perfect storm facing high net worth clients. And our last guest in studio, Sarah Frank with Real Marketing Solutions, Relationship Marketing and Digital Era, How to Show Up on Social Media. Again, Great information, great guest in studio today. For more information, please feel free to call the show at one 855 411 again at one 855 411 or online at com. And we'll start out today's show just as we do each week with a little money chat. Money. Money. What do you want to chat about today for Money Chat? Well, we uh, I think we owe our listeners. Remember last week we were going to talk kind of about... Left them hanging? Yeah, left them hanging. Mm-hmm. We went personal, so I thought we'd go a little business this time. A little, Alrighty. A little credit action. Yeah. Um, I had something really crazy happened and uh, not so long ago, and it kind of freaked me out. And then there was a Como 4 story on it. It's called a pocket judgment. Okay. So I won't name names about debt, but there was a debt that went on my credit, and I, I'm fanatic about watching my credit report. So yep. something pops up on my credit. I'm like, what is this? No way. It doesn't exist. Impossible. Sure enough, I dispute it. It's gone, right? Disappears off the face of the earth. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, um, I noticed that there was a, a, like something missing off of a check, oh, like an, like getting paid a check. And I'm like, well, that's weird. You know, maybe it's some kind of deduction or something, you know, no big deal. So did some research on it. And it turns out that this company, af- way after the fact, served a guy at a place that I didn't even live at anymore. Uh-huh. Like, I was gone. Mm-hmm. Served this guy, and I was like, I, I, I didn't, you didn't serve me any paperwork. And then, apparently, they had a judgment that I was not even, had no idea it happened. It went to some random dude that I have no idea who it was, and they were garnishing $1,000. I didn't even notice over, like, eight months or something of some nature. So I go back. Crazy. Crazy. So I'm like, what is this craziness, right? And so at that point, they were like, okay, well, and I could prove that I didn't live there. They didn't serve the right guy, but it's called, what they've done is what's called a pocket judgment. So they went in there. They um, took, obviously, I wasn't going to respond in 20 days, Mm -hmm. and they took the money from my accounts. So the collection agency says, you can do one of two things. You can either go and take us to court 
and uh, and you're going to pay your lawyer fees mm-hmm. for do that, which would probably be as much, if not more, or you basically already paid your debt, and then we'll go in and uh, I forgot what they call it, but they're going to send it into the courts basically and and get it, make sure it doesn't hit my record. So it's like there's no point in me fighting it. So basically, they stole like a thousand dollars from me, and it's called a pocket judgment. And then sure enough, that week there was a Como uh, news story that came out that it happened to a poor mom with her two kids, single mom, and wow. she couldn't pay for groceries because of it. Like, mm. for me, it, I was more freaked out about it. You know, yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't even about the money, but for other people out there, how scary people. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know what we can do about that, but just to see that that could happen to somebody is just shocking to me. So, like, so, so the uh, call to action would be to make sure that you're really checking what's going on with your your credit and... Make sure you don't have any pocket judgments. I couldn't agree more. You never know. There might be money taken from you that you would never even know yeah. any of the wiser of until maybe you want to buy a house and you see some random judgment yes. where you have no clue that it even existed. Yeah. And, I mean, that could destroy your deal. Yeah. Wow. Well, Crazy. you know, on the, the subject of credit, I mean, credit, obviously, with what Keelan and I do in the mortgage arena, credit is everything when it comes to financing. And you may not realize that you can actually, uh, you can get into a mortgage with a pretty low credit score. We just had a file that came over that was declined from a major bank, no names. But a lot of times there's overlays on credit scores and we don't have any overlays. So if you're going with an FHA loan, we're able to get somebody in. It was a 560 credit score. So you can still get in with poor and challenged credit, but it would be ideal to have stellar credit so that you can get the best loans, the best terms and the best rates. So I thought I'd bring that in today. Uh, Depending on the credit bureau, the credit score ranges from 300 to 800 and how you get an 800 credit score, I don't know. Well, actually some 850 (laughs) and some, but it's really, really hard to get that perfect credit credit score. Uh, But the components for credit, first there's delinquents. Obviously you want to pay your bills on time. That represents 35% of your credit score. Uh, If you didn't know, as long as you're not over 30 days, so if you are a couple days paying your your, uh, credit card late, it's not going to report on your credit report until it hits 30 days. Uh, Debt to credit utilization ratio, that's pretty high. It's 30%. And the credit card balances, ideally you want to keep everything at a 30% ratio of those revolving debts. So what you can do if you have more that you owe. Like Dave and I, we always pay everything on credit cards to get those miles. So depending if we're looking at getting a mortgage or buying a car or getting some type of debt, we want to make sure that we haven't gotten that credit limit over that 50% ratio. Now, the good news is, is if you're over that, if you have a credit card that's, let's say, $10,000 limit, you want to make sure that you don't owe more than 5000 Ideally, you're keeping it under 30%, but you definitely don't want it over 50 So if it is up there, what you can do is just pay those credit cards down, and we can do a rapid rescore for you, which is a really quick process to... Um, increase that credit score. So that's a big part of your credit um, pie as well. It's 30%. Average credit limit is 15%. So this is something that can be devastating to your credit score if you don't know ahead of time not to do it. Because once you've done it and it affects your credit score, you can't improve until you've reestablished that average age of credit. Do not close out credit cards that you're not using. Leave them open, especially if you have a history for over 24 months. Once you close that out, you've lost that history and that season for the account. And the only way that you can replace that is to get another card that is seasoned. Now, if you do not have seasoned accounts and that's something that can increase your credit score, what you can do is you can get yourself added as an authorized user 
uh, to a great friend or a family member that has good standing credit. They don't have to give you your credit card. They just add you to their account, and now you can add in the seasoning they have on that card and then remove yourself after you get your loan. Uh, 15% is represented based on average uh, the average age of credit. So again, that's a pretty big uh, piece of it. 30% is based on debt-to-credit debt to ratio utilization. And so again, that goes into where you're keeping that ratio. There's also a difference between revolving accounts and installment accounts. And I don't want to go too much into detail with that today because it, it really depends on the bureau. Ideally, you want to have one installment to every three revolving. But that not that doesn't necessarily mean that you want to go out and open more revolving accounts because then you could have some challenges with inquiries because inquiries represent 10% of your credit score. So you don't want to have your credit report uh, being pulled. So best thing really is to make sure that you get some expert advice before you do anything on your credit report. And even now, if you're applying for a loan or if you're applying for a job, employment, it affects credit. If you're trying to get homeowner's insurance, your your rates or whether you're going to get the policy, that best policy, or even some companies will not uh, insure you if you have lower credit. So it affects a lot of things in our life. So just make sure that you're getting uh, advice. And if you do have challenges, best thing is to hire a pre- credit repair company. Uh, Keelan and I definitely have some resources there, some best of the best in the market that can help you navigate through that process and get some of those things actually deleted. And actually, b- uh, before we wrap things up, I do want to mention on that, what credit repair companies are able to do is they actually are getting things deleted for you. It doesn't mean that you do not have that collection and that collection doesn't belong to you, but you do have rights rights as a consumer um, through the Credit Act. And depending on how that credit is getting reported, there's a lot of codings and things that show up on the credit report. And if the coding's not correctly, it can get deleted. Also, it's on the burden of the creditor to be able to provide documentation. And a lot of times they don't keep that documentation. So if they don't have it, then it's automatically deleted. So really great resource there for you. And coming up next in the Money Hour, 10 ways to help agents. We have Pam Ranch with Keller Williams, Realty Puget Sound, right here at 1150 AM, KKNW, after this short break. Do you have highly appreciated assets you're reluctant to sell because of the capital gains tax you have to pay? Do you want to exit your 1031 exchange at the top of the market and reinvest your deferred capital gains into a basket of diversified asset classes other than real estate? Have you exceeded your $250,000-$500,000 capital gains lifetime exclusion and don't know what else to do? Hi, my name is Sean Winkler, and in conjunction with the estate planning team, we use the Deferred Sales Trust to help you gain deferral, freedom, liquidity, and diversification with your funds so you can create and preserve more wealth. The estate planning team has closed over 2,000 deferred sales trusts worth over $1 billion in assets. To schedule your complimentary tax savings analysis today and discover how the Deferred Sales Trust can benefit you right now, call or text me at 425 750 5007 or visit mydstplan.com slash Sean Winkler. Again, that's 425-750-5007 or mydstplan.com slash Sean Winkler. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, and co-host Keelan Harvey on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. Welcome back to The Money Hour on 1150 AM KKNW. I am your host, Tina Mitchell. And I am your co-host, Keelan Harvey. You're a local mortgage experts. It's a great day to talk money, and that's what the show is all about, how to make money, how to save money so that you can have a better quality of life for you and your family. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but we can connect you with our guests. Call the show at one 411 Again, that's one 855 
800-411-1150 or online at themoneyr.com. In studio right now, first time that she's been here, we have Pam Ranch with Keller Williams Realty, Puget Sound, 10 Ways to Help Agents. Pam, I'm so excited to have you here with us today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. And a little bit about Pam. Pam is the team leader with Kelly Williams Puget Sound, head of the executive leadership team and master coach for the top 20 agents in the office. Furthermore, she is a founding member of John Maxwell Coaching, training and speaking program, as well as a certified DISC trainer, past president of South King County Women's Council of Rural Tours, a certified trainer in Stephen Covey's Four Disciplines of execution and Keller Williams maps leadership coach Pam's true passion is coaching and consulting her approach is specifically analyze the needs of each client utilizing her deep and active listening of question skills acquiring during the years in business of a top consultant and trainer once the needs hopes and dreams of individuals evaluated she supports the individual to develop a very specific program and action plan uniquely designed it to help them achieve success in every aspects of their lives. Pam, you're such a rock star. We're so excited <laughs> I know, and to I have love you. The, I love Women's Council of Rural Tours. So thanks for all that you that you gave back there. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's a pleasure again. So awesome. Mm-hmm. That's so exciting. We're um, 10 ways I can help agents. I love that because uh, especially with your expertise and the, you know, you have the top agents you're dealing with. I mean, that's huge. So Give us a little insight. Like, how do you coach agents to product uh, production and profitability? What is what's your advice? Well, I think uh, at Keller Williams Puget Sound, what we do is we really transform every, lives every day, both personally and professionally. I like the approach of taking this as um, anybody that I meet as a whole person. So I'm never just coaching to the business side or to the personal side. I do believe that your business grows to the extent that you do. And there's a lot of conversations around uh, what is it that drives somebody, what motivates somebody, why certain things are important to them, um, which in turn will help give them the energy and the motivation to do what they need to do to become who they need to become. That makes so many sen- so much sense. We have all these experts in here, coaches and things like yes. that. They all, every one of them is right on point with that about self-growth as a, as a human being and how that relates to your business. And the key word you said there, why. You got to know your why yeah. behind your business or else you're never going to be motivated enough to do the things that other people won't do to be yeah. successful. Yeah. yeah. And your motivations and your big why can change over time. It evolves mm-hmm. as much as you do. Yeah. Let's talk, Pam, a little bit about the hiring and and helping to understand through that process. Okay. So when I'm talking about hiring, what I'm really doing is helping um, somebody to understand leverage and hiring leverage into their life. Um, So that frees up their time. One of the dilemmas that most top producing agents have is they are making a lot of money and they're running a a great business, but they don't have any time. And so they're sacrificing family, friendships, vacations, um, the things that, well, why we want to make money in the first place. So they end up sacrificing. So what I've come to understand is most agents that I work with understand the sales cycle of the real estate industry. Mm -hmm. They no longer need to be coached in how to sell real estate or market real estate or take a listing. But what they haven't spent a lot of time is in learning how to hire and what hires come first and why certain hiring practices are important. Um, Typically an agent will tend to find somebody that they like that has a a like mind or like energy. They hire them and then it becomes a little bit of a disaster. And so they decide to 
try again on their own. One of the toughest growth curves for most agent is is going from working on my own, doing everything myself because yeah. my my clients only want to work with me, only I can deliver great customer service. Those are all myth understandings. Mm-hmm. And what they really need to understand is learning how to hire and attracting talent to your team is a skill and a skill they need to practice and work on to become really good at it. Yeah, and you've taught, I mean, you're um, a pro and an expert in the disc profile, and I think that's a, a lot of people, they're, they're trying to hire, you, kind of, you said this as well, hiring people that are like them, when the reality is you want to hire people that are might be similar to you, but they're doing, their strengths are totally opposite than what yours are. And by putting them in through the disc profile, you can really find out where uh, their strengths lie and what they're most likely going to be most successful at, correct? Well, correct, because you're not going to change anybody. Yes. You're hiring who you hire. It's kind of like whoever you marry, they yep. are who they are. You're the, not going to change, change them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So um, would you say in the real estate space that the most important and first thing would be to hire out would be maybe like a transaction coordinator? or where would you feel that most need that first hire? Well, there's there's a, a, a law practice here, which is lead with revenue and not expenses. And I think mm-hmm. hiring a transaction coordinator is a great way to do that. For the most part, transaction coordinators get paid at closing just like the rest of us. Yes. And so that is a way to lead with revenue, create a budget so that you can then um, have the wherewithal to be able to hire somebody full time. Got it. Mm-hmm. Well, we were talking before about numbers and like profit and loss in the language of business and how numbers tell you something um, and connecting that to a human factor. Mm-hmm. Can you dive into that a little bit for us on on the numbers aspect of it? I mean, there's a it's a lot different to be a coach and a manager mentor. And, uh, you know, the, the next layer is the numbers. Can you talk about that? Yeah, well, I think um, this is where we do a lot of coaching. I I most agents that come to us really don't understand tracking their numbers. Um, and if they do track their numbers, they're not spending enough time really evaluating what are the numbers telling me. The one thing about numbers is they're not emotional. Um, mm-hmm. And so they're very factual and they don't carry that emotional weight uh, that sometimes we bring to things when we are telling ourselves a story about why our numbers are showing up the way that they are. So really getting in there and diving into what your lead measures are. That's the predictive um, pace of your business that's going to show up within the next 90 days. And then studying the lag measures is what is what now what's the result? Here's the lead. Here's where we're going. Here's the lag, which is what happened. Yeah. And so you said telling a story that kind of leads us into the next question that I'd like to ask you is really around mindset. And I think especially for uh, solo entrepreneurs, the mindset can be a really devastating piece of their success. So how do you coach around mindset and to really get people into the best mindset so that they stop getting in their own way and creating their own failures based on that mindset? Well, I, I think 90% of everything we're talking about here is mindset. Yes. And so really listening to whoever's in front of me and asking questions and asking additional questions. So we like to term that as three deep. So mm-hmm. um, we start on a subject and we ans- ask another question, ask another question to get clarity. And when that happens, um, transformation is allowed 
and people start to hear themselves even talk through something and their aha isn't um, because I gave it to them. It's their aha because they actually know the answer. Mm-hmm. My job as a coach is to just draw that out of you and then put some action steps behind that. Yeah. That's really cool, Pam. It's like your your self-discovery and you know it inside. It's that maybe subconscious voice that you have that you bring out to the forefront where maybe somebody else can finally give you that aha moment and enlighten to you of your reality. And that's huge for people. Um, specifically, how do you coach an individual um, to their future self-growth plan, like a, an individual and yeah. you know their future? Great question. So we have a tool that we use. Um, so two, it's a two-part tool. So one thing I need to understand is where they've been and then I look at where they're going. So we do a life story and a future self. Mm-hmm. So those two tools, um, I spend a lot of time with agents and it's a slow process, but it's necessary for them to really understand the patterns that they're living out in their life mm-hmm. and or reliving mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, how, what needs to change or what needs to happen so they can actually step into the future self. Yeah, that's so, it sounds so beautiful. It does. You know, every you said an interesting word, story, right? As humans, we all tell ourselves a story so we can be in that normal space. And then you live by that story. Uh, and somebody, um, one of my mentors, I won't say name names, but he's big dog in the finance. He says, you, uh, the truth is as you believe it and perceive it to be, but not how it really is. Mm-hmm. And if you think about that on a deeper level, it's so true for people because it's not your filter is is not how it really is. You know, no, there's there's, you know, I like to think of it as you have like two minds or two brains. You've got your subconscious mind and you have your conscious mind and it's your subconscious mind that's driving the bus. Yeah. And so, you know, we are telling ourselves stories every day. You woke up with one and I woke up with one this morning and we're living out that story right now. Yeah. So, Pam, I'm really into time efficiency, time management. So let's talk about how you help your uh, your cl- your students in time effectively and leadership integrity and how those two come together. Um, I think they come together through accountability. Um, but what we do is we, we set out a plan. It's their plan based on their goals. We bring it down to a focus tool that we check in once a week, and they operate out of – they. When someone meets with me, they bring their what's ca- it's called a four one one stands mm-hmm. for one year, one month, four weeks. They bring that in. They check. We check off the list. What's happening? Um, we make uh, agreements about what we're going to do um, until the next time that we meet and understand how they're going to get it done. And so, the last piece of that is the most important piece, which is the accountability piece. Yeah. Let's talk about, uh, you mentioned time blocking, and I'm a fanatic of time blocking almost as much as Tina. Tina's like obsessed with it, and she's so good at time blocking. <laughs> she will tell you to shut up, and she'll walk out of the room on you literally. If I would you, never say shut up. But. She wouldn't say, I'm, be, I'm, I'm, being, I'm being funny, but she's like, have to. she's like just a little tap on the watch, and she's out of there on you. And I respect that because okay. she her time for you and herself that's all her respect around time blocking. Uh, tell us a little bit about what your thoughts are time blocking and your and the agents that you coach and such. Uh, it's necessary. You have to learn mm-hmm. what to say yes to and what to say no to. And um, it's a learning curve. And people give us reasons all the time why they can't stick to their time block. And, you know, 
I always say if you're going to fight for your limitations, then you get to keep them. Yeah. So, nice. you know, it's, it's just one of those things that you have to learn. Again, it's a skill that you have to develop, and it's a habit, and it just becomes a way of being. So, Pam, as we're wrapping up our time here today, I'd love to uh, close up with personal growth and your business growth and, and kind of what you do there with your clients. We have a growth plan. So based on who I need to become to reach the goals that I'm trying to reach or going to reach, um, there's there's a mindset shift that has to happen. So there's some growth that has to happen. There may be some classes that you need to take. You you know, you need to get better at what you're doing in order to have the best results that you want to have. So we put together a growth plan and we follow that. Again, that shows up on your 411 mm-hmm. focus tool and we check in with that every month and we're just, we're just stay on track. Yeah, well, I'm, I love what you're doing. And I think if uh, for who's listening today, if you don't have a coach, you have to have one. I mean, if you look at the best of the best, in anything they all have coaches and just like Pam's saying that accountability to keep you on track to really ask the right questions so that you can come up with your own brilliant answers that are just waiting to come out and ultimately that you can you know live the life that you're meant to live Pam thank you so much for joining us in studio look forward to having me back yeah Yeah. thank you coming up next on the money are the perfect storm facing high net worth clients Sean Winkler with HomeSmart Ion Realty Mill Creek right here at 1150 AM KKNW after this short break Do you have highly appreciated assets you're reluctant to sell because of the capital gains tax you have to pay? Do you want to exit your 1031 exchange at the top of the market and reinvest your deferred capital gains into a basket of diversified asset classes other than real estate? Have you exceeded your $250,000-$500,000 capital gains lifetime exclusion and don't know what else to do? Hi, my name is Sean Winkler and in conjunction with the estate planning team, we use the Deferred Sales Trust to help you gain deferral, freedom, liquidity, and diversification with your funds so you can create and preserve more wealth. The estate planning team has closed over 2,000 deferred sales trusts worth over $1 billion in assets. To schedule your complimentary tax savings analysis today and discover how the deferred sales trust can benefit you right now, call or text me at 425-750-5007 or visit mydstplan.com slash Sean Winkler. Again, that's 425-750-5007 or mydstplan.com slash Sean Winkler. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, and co-host, Keelan Harvey, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. Welcome back to The Money Hour on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, March 30th show. I am your host, Tina Mitchell. And your co-host, Keelan Harvey. You're a local mortgage expert. It's a great day to talk about money, and that's what the show is about, how to make money, have money, keep your money, have a better quality of life for you and your family. <laughs> if you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but we're here to connect you with the guests that we have on the show. Please call the show at one 855 411 Again, that's one 855 411150 or online at themoneyhour.com. And in studio right now, we have Sean Winkler with HomeSmart Ion Realty Mill Creek, the perfect storm facing high net worth clients. Sean, welcome again, a first time uh, guest today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me come out. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And a little bit about Sean. 
Sean was born and raised in Washington State. Prior to entering real estate, Sean was a butcher for Hagen for 10 years and sold luxury vehicles at Audi for five years. It is in these careers Sean learned how to listen and service clients at the highest level. In addition to teaching Washington State Housing Finance Commission first-time homebuyer classes, Sean's other priority focuses on helping high net worth clients unlock their real estate equity to achieve liquidity and diversification with their funds so they can create and preserve more wealth. So, Sean, pretty yeah. excited to have you. Fun fact, fun fact, me and Sean, um, kindergarten through third grade together, and then Sean pops out of the woodworks one day. He's an agent, and then we started talking, and uh, background of me, everybody knows I was a financial advisor for five years, so I kind of nerd out on some of the stuff that you can do with your money. Yeah. And you then nerd we, out on a few things. I, a lot of things, yeah. actually. Kind of nerdy. Um but we we got onto this subject, um, and I, I'm not gonna I'm gonna let you take it on the subject. Thanks. But um, a really interesting way, a spinoff of a 1031, completely different, mm-hmm. um, but could present a lot of value. Hence, Sean is here today. So, yeah. uh, the perfect storm facing high net worth clients. Sean, um, how much generational wealth will be transferred in the next 20 years? Because that's gonna tee you up perfectly for why this is valuable for people. Right. Yeah. Great question. So. Uh, 10,000 people a day are turning 65 years old. So we have a lot of baby boomers Mm -hmm. um, sitting there on highly appreciated assets. And according to the American Bankers Association, $17 trillion with a T is going to pass from the boomers to the next generation, whether that's millennials, Gen Z, whatever you want to call those folks. Uh, There's going to be a giant wealth transfer coming from one generation to the next. And it's going to be kind of the biggest transfer of wealth in the history of mankind, Mm -hmm. if you think about it. So... There's a lot of opportunity there. And those are, those. There, it's coming from a generation that saved money. Yes. yes. So it's a little bit different than our generation because we weren't as big as savers as our parents were. And yeah. so there's a lot of wealth there. Uh, we'll see what we'll be able to pass on to our kids is based on how we really manage the wealth that's passed on to us, yeah, right? Yeah, generation of savers to a generation of spenders. Yeah, 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 yeah. A little bit crazy. So why are owners of business and real estate um, uh, highly... Uh, uh, reluctant on selling their assets. Yeah, well, you know, part of the reason why they're highly reluctant to sell their assets is because of this capital gains tax exposure that mm-hmm. they're facing. So they may have um, a business, you know, it could be a for-profit business, you know, a veterinarian, anything like that. It could be their 1031s, investment properties, warehouses, anything. And they're just looking at this capital gains tax exposure like, shoot, what what am I going to do? Like, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to pay the government because if you think about it, you know, they're the silent partner that dips their hand in there. They get 20 to 30%. They have no downside and 100% upside. So they want to protect and preserve their wealth. And I think there's a strategy to do that. Works out pretty well, good. Well, that's why we have you here. Thank that's you. What, uh-huh. what I'm saying. Works out pretty good for them, huh? Yeah. It, Sean, tell our listeners, what is the maximum uh, capital gains exclusion for a single or married person? Sure. So IRC 121 uh, allows you to exclude $250,000 if you are single and up to $500,000 if you're married, and that's a lifetime exclusion. But anything above that, you're kind of on your own. You need to figure out a strategy of what to do. And that's a lifetime exclusion. Or you're going to get taxed. You're going to get taxed. Big time, big time. <laughs> and, you know, so why we're here is we're here because um, you're really bringing in something that I, and I've been doing mortgages for almost a quarter of a century, and mm-hmm. I feel that I know a, a little bit about everything when it comes to all the creative finance options, mm-hmm. uh, even outside of my arena. But mm-hmm. uh, this one was a new one for me, and it's Deferred Sales Trust. Yeah. 
Let's talk about that a little yeah, bit. So what is it? A deferred sales, a deferred sales trust. It is a so that's like a it's a made up name to describe mm-hmm. basically a trust, which is what something uh, people do every day. You know, thousands of trusts that happen, and an installment sale, and it's based on IRC four fifty three. So Internal Revenue Code four fifty three allows you to do an installment sale, like a seller carryback sale. However, instead of you carrying the note, your trust carries a note, so mm-hmm. you become kind of the lender. And the trust is going to pay you based on the structure and the risk tolerance questionnaire that you fill out and how you direct the funds. So who are you finding that's getting super excited about this deferred sales trust? Yeah. So um, people kind of like we were talking about in 1031 exchanges, you know, if you have been and in a 1031 exchange, you have to buy like kind, first of all, and Mm -hmm. you have to keep buying bigger and bigger deals. So if you want to buy a smaller deal, what do you do? Because you have boot and where are you going to park that money? Yeah. Um, And you could be also fully depreciated because you're going to take depreciation on those assets. Um, You can sell your opportunity. You can sell your product, put it in the trust, and then all that money is still tax deferred. But now you're not beholden to a 45-day identification, 180-day close. That's huge. Yeah, that's huge. Mm -hmm. So it allows you to sit back and, you know, for those entrepreneurs out there that are good at watching the market, they can time the market and enter mm-hmm. back in uh, when they want to. Well, and wasn't this year with the 1031 that it's only real estate now? Like before, you were talking about like fossils mm-hmm. and diamonds sure. and gold and paintings or cars, whatever mm-hmm. whatever floats your boat, right? And this year, you can't do that. But isn't it true that you can do that with the Deferred Sales Trust? Absolutely. Any highly appreciated asset that you own, whether it's maybe you have a collection of Ferraris or you have warehouses or you have high-end artwork, um, what else is on the list here? There's there's quite a bit. You can have major private stock positions, valuable artwork and collectibles, seller carryback notes, commercial real estate, investment properties, or a business or professional practice, or mm-hmm. even a um, highly appreciated single family home. So your residence, maybe you you know you bought a place in Medina so long ago, right? You spent five hundred thousand on it, and now it's worth mm-hmm. six seven million. Yeah. Right. You're going to have a big capital gains yes. exposure coming down the pike if if you're going to sell that thing. So, Sean, let's talk a little bit about the difference between a deferred sales trust and the 1031 exchange. Yeah, sure. So a 1031, like we know, it's, it has to be like kind. Yes. So you have to buy another um, real estate investment. That's yeah, what like you have kind, to do. it doesn't have to be like kind like that home. I mean, you literally can right. have totally two separate but exactly. it has to be real estate. And yeah, and if you if let's say, you know, you sell a 1031 and for a million bucks, but you want to go buy like the perfect $700,000 deal, then, you know, what do you do with that other $300,000? Yeah. Well, you got to pay tax on it, right? Well, what you can do now, you can use the deferred sales trust as a backstop. You can put that 300000 in boot into your deferred sales trust. Yeah, wow. Uh, and protect yourself and, you know, create and preserve more wealth that you've already worked hard for because those are your capital gains. Yes. To use how you see fit. Yeah. Well, speaking of capital gains, how do you, uh, how can you reinvest the deferred capital gains? How do you, how do you do that? Sure. That's a great question. So what you can do, you can invest them into stocks, bonds, mutual funds based Mm -hmm. on your risk tolerance questionnaire and you work with your financial advisor. And, you know, I I recommend everybody, you know, run this by your own financial advisors, your CPAs. I'm not a tax guy, but this is all public information that you can find out there if you look for it. Um, You can also redirect those funds to an LLC and then go out and buy another property. So you can redirect those funds. Um, tax deferred and go buy something else. So you could sell a fully depreciated 1031, mm-hmm. put it in a deferred sale trust, and now go buy a new step up in basis and, and restart a depreciation schedule. 
pretty powerful. Yeah, it, it is really powerful. And that's what really the show is about. That's why it's called The Money Hour. It's about bringing in experts in all arena that can really help you with your money. And I like how you you know mentioned you're not a licensed CPA or um, um, financial planner. And you know this it takes everybody involved to yeah. get everything lined up that's going to be best for you. You talk about a state planner and bringing in a state planner for this to work through that as well. So mm-hmm. um, have all the best people working for you so they can help you navigate through this financial uh, maze and pick the best option for you. So let's talk about um, the legality of this. And I mean, again, you don't hear a lot about it, but they've been around for, it's been around for 20 plus years. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, so they've been around for... This is legal? Yeah, this is legal. So they've they've been around for uh, about 22 years. They've closed Uh over 2,000 transactions for over a billion dollars in assets. Mm -hmm. They have been randomly audited by the IRS uh, 13 times, and they've all come back as no-change audits. So the IRS is is fully on board with this. Mm -hmm. They're okay with how you're structuring this. It's just a really clever way for an installment sale. Uh, seller carryback installment sale. So they did a, a full audit in 2008, uh, went for about two years, and they came back and said, no change, you're all good there. So uh, you also are- The IRS, IRS says it's okay, it's okay. Yeah, they say yeah. it's okay. And you have audit defense <laughs> for the lifetime of the fund. So when we set up this deferred sale trust, if you do close, um, part of the fee of setting this up, that covers audit defense for the lifetime of your trust. So if IRS ever does come and audit you, you're, you're already defended. That's no additional cost or fee. Yeah. That's super exciting. You know, I'm thinking for all the flippers out there and mm-hmm. the limitations mm-hmm. with that, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't 1031 a flip. No, you yeah. can't. And I mean, um, the potential of leveraging is as well. Can you talk just a brief moment about kind of leveraging that, uh, a, a deferred sales trust and how that could work for somebody that maybe want to invest in real estate? Yeah, absolutely. So let's say, um, let's let's use $5 million as an example, right? You, you sell your, your deal into the trust, $5 million. Now, the trust is a, it's a note and you have to um, maintain that note. And so you need to keep about 20% in that note to, to keep it going. But you can take 80% out of there and redirect it. So you could use that as a down payment, right? Because you can partner with an LLC. Okay. So you redirect, let's say you redirect $4 million at 20% down and go get an 80% loan and go Uh buy something even bigger. So you can leverage, you can leverage your tax deferred um, capital gains into something even bigger if you want to. Yes. Maybe you don't want to. Sure. Maybe you're like, you know what? I'm just going to let the money sit there and anything that it makes after fees, just I'll take that. Right, so you can create an income stream off of it. Ten ninety nine interest income is what it would be. Uh, you can use that to qualify for a mortgage. Cause banks look that look at that as um, regular income. Yeah, long as you, you have the history there. Yep, uh, as long as you have the history it, yeah. there. It's yep. going to be continuing for at least another three years. You're good to go. Absolutely, and these are ten year notes that you yeah. can uh, renew. So you can't make a trust in perpetuity, but you can sure. renew the note every ten years and keep moving that down the road. Yeah, it's really nice to have creative options to really see how you can maximize your uh, your money and minimize the amount of taxes that you have to pay, which is really what um, financial freedom is all about. Yeah. So let's talk about the cost associated as we wrap up our time here sure. with you, Sean, uh, with the Deferred Sales Trust. Yeah, real quickly, the, the cost is set it up. There's a one-time charge of around 1% to 1.5%. Uh, it's 1.5% on the first million above that. Uh, it's around one and a quarter percent to one, and there's a little flexibility there depending on what the deal is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trustee that has to manage it because it's a neutral third-party trustee, they charge thirty to fifty bips, so you're looking at a third to a half of percent annually um, on the deal. And then your financial advisor, right? For example, sure. And I consider that a wash because you're going to pay your financial advisor to invest your money anyway. Of course, you're going to pay them, you know, one percent or something like that to manage your money. So I, I write that off anyway as a wash because they're already going to be managing your money. And that's kind of how it works. So, yeah. yeah, recurring charge of about 1%, uh, 1.5%, and then a one-time setup fee 
and that includes audit defense for a lifetime of the trust. You're yeah, good to, you're not good to too go. bad. Sweet. Well, Sean, thank you so much for coming in for the first oh, time and, and so sharing something uh, new and different. Yeah. And yeah, I love it. Yeah, thank you so much. And coming up next on The Money, our relationship marketing in a digital era, how to show up on social media. Sarah Frank with Real Marketing Solutions right here on 1150 AM KKNW after the short break. Are you struggling to connect with your target audience on social media? Are you trying different things on social media but not attracting the right people to your business? Have you experienced a decline in reach on your social media channels? Are you in a heavily regulated industry and not sure how to create content that converts? Real Marketing Solutions specializes in helping businesses in restricted industries create an online strategy that nurtures strangers to followers, followers to leads, and leads to paying clients. Through services like end-to-end social media management, social media coaching and training, digital advertising and online lead generation, content creation services, and group coaching and self-study courses, the team at Real Marketing Solutions is able to assist business owners at every level in business. This is Sarah Frank with Real Marketing Solutions, and if you're looking to jumpstart your social media, reach out to us on the web at realmarketingsolutions.net, hit the schedule button at the top of our website, and connect with us for a complimentary 30-minute strategy session today you're listening to the money hour with your host tina mitchell and co-host keelan harvey on alternative talk am 1150 now back to the show with local mortgage experts tina mitchell and keelan harvey welcome back to the money hour with your host tina mitchell and co-host keelan harvey you're a local mortgage experts right here at 1150 AM KKNW at the Saturday, March 30th show. We bring into studio each week the best of the best experts in all arenas regarding your financing. And that's what the show's all about. That's what you'll receive by listening each week. And if you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. But we're here to answer any questions or connect you with the guests that we have on the show today. Call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's one 1- 855-411-50 or online at themoneyr.com. And last in studio, we have Sarah Frank with really with Real Marketing Solutions, Relationship Marketing in a Digital Era, How to Show Up on Social Media. Sarah, first time in studio. Very excited to have you here. Thank you for joining us. It is. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Yay. And a little bit about Sarah. Sarah is a creative, driven, and radical, authentic digital marketing strategist with a head for marketing and a heart for entrepreneur. Sarah's professional experience lies in the mortgage industry, like you and I, Keelan. Hey. Uh-huh. Uh, where she spent nine years as a top producing loan originator, building two highly successful businesses in Las Vegas, Portland, and Oregon. In 2014, Sarah founded Real Marketing Solutions, a creative digital marketing agency that specializes in helping businesses in restricted industries such as mortgage and real estate. Create an online strategy that nurtures strangers to followers and followers to leads and leads to paying clients. Love it. Love it. I like the bio. Very creative. Thank you. Um, Can you share with us just a bit about your background in the mortgage industry and how did that lead you down the path of doing the work you do today? Why'd you leave our great industry? (laughs) Because I have to help you show up online now. Exactly. Well, I actually grew up in the mortgage industry quite young and before social media was even a thing. Mm -hmm. So now I'm able to take what I learned in the mortgage industry and help loan originators show up online. But 
before social media, remember those days where you had to go out and shake hands and give business cards and beat Mm -hmm. down the door and show up? Well, in doing that, I learned that really I wasn't marketing the brand or Uh the company that I worked for. I was marketing myself. And that's really how I built my businesses is by setting myself apart in the industry And as years went on in the industry, I realized that I could actually help other people do this. And as social media became a thing, it became really apparent that the mortgage industry specifically was getting left behind in marketing because it's so heavily restricted, restricted and regulated that it's hard to really show up online. Yeah. So I transformed out of the industry, but still have a heavy hand in the real estate and mortgage industry and really helping businesses just in restricted industries get their voice out there online. So... My passion was always marketing and marketing mm-hmm. myself, and now I get to do that with I all of you. Love that. I love. You know, you said something I really like there. A lot of people, professionals, get caught up in the company, and pe- mm-hmm. you know, your company is important. Don't get me wrong, but people want to know about you. They want to know about like what sets you apart. What's your brand? Who are you? How can you help them? You know, and that relationship is huge. You can't just go out touting your giant company and expect people to be excited about working with you. Well, and that's the thing specifically with social media is remember when we opened up our Facebook accounts and you got on Facebook for the first time? Mm. You did that to connect, Mm -hmm. right? And if we're always marketing a brand, we're missing the connection piece, which is what attracts people. Yeah. So really everything that we're going to talk about, we're going to talk mostly about the mortgage and real estate industry Mm -hmm. today, but everything we're going to talk about is applicable to any industry. Yes. Mm -hmm. Plug and play. Love that. So what is a common misconception about social media marketing and the mortgage industry? Yeah, this is my favorite. Because it's so heavily regulated, Uh I'm going to ignore it. I'm just going to ignore marketing on social media until... I, there's another choice, yeah. which we all know there's probably not going to be another choice. Yeah, no. Well, and you listen to the disclaimer when our show starts about Gateway. They yeah. are not part of this radio show and don't, you know, so you just have to have that proper um, yeah. way of marketing to where there's not the risk of, you know, the company side. Yeah. And there's another conception which you see out there with, or misconception that you see with a lot of mortgage originators is that they're always just sharing the content that their company produces for them. And unfortunately, Mm. that is missing the connection piece. And therefore, they're always going to come and say, I'm not getting any engagement Mm -hmm. on my content. Nobody's following my page. Well, you're not giving them any reason to follow your page. Exactly. So, you know, really setting yourself apart is super important in the mortgage industry. And I think people get a little bit scared because, you know, one of the companies I work for, I can't use the word best, even if I'm talking about a client. Like, I cannot use that word. Mm, It's mm -hmm. compliance has completely blocked it. So they're like, what can we say? You know, what can't and the time it takes to go back through compliance. Exactly. Just deters them from wanting to do it at all. But it's so, so important because we're in this digital era right now. Yes. And it's not changing. It's not going away. No, definitely not. We can wish it away all we want, but it is definitely not going Mm -hmm. away. Yeah. So, Sarah, what about the real estate side? Yeah. So with real estate, you see commonly that their real estate agents are kind of everywhere. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. showing up everywhere, but they're not really putting the quality into their content. Mm-hmm. It's more promotional based. Mm-hmm. So they're they're still missing that connection piece. Connection is just really important. And some of the stuff that we see work the best, which we'll talk about a little bit later on, is really the the content that is personal. Mm-hmm. And when we get yeah. too wrapped up in our business and, you know, showing houses and all of those things, that's great. But we want people to get to know us. 
not necessarily our brand and our business because we want to do business with people, not businesses, right? We want to, I'm going to hire you because I know you, I like you, and I trust you. It's all about the connection. Right. And that's the same philosophy that we have to approach social media with. So sometimes I see real estate agents, they're out there on every platform, Mm -hmm. but they're not really doing good at any of the platforms. They're just kind of putting content out. For me specifically, what I would recommend in this scenario would be figure out where your clients are. Mm -hmm. If you're a downsizing specialist, you're probably not going to have much luck on Instagram. Uh (laughs) So for me, I would recommend, you know, nurturing Facebook if you have a good following on there Mm -hmm. and LinkedIn as opposed to posting on Instagram. Because if if that's really your clientele, you're going to they're not on Instagram. So sometimes you see them tackling different um, social media channels that aren't necessarily a good fit for where they're at in business. And we usually say it's not really about like how far spread you are. It's about picking the platforms where your people are. But on the old term, it's not about the uh, quantity. It's about the quality of the social media platforms that you're out there. Yes. So you talk a lot about uh, relationship marketing in the digital era. So can you talk a little bit more about how do you do that when yeah, it comes so, to social media? So with social media, I like to think about how often, and, and a lot of people are uncomfortable with this. Let's just be honest. Putting ourselves mm-hmm. out there as the front of our businesses is not always comfortable. Sometimes it feels a little uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. for a lot of people, it does feel uncomfortable. But that's really what wa- people want to see. They want to yeah. get an inside look at your business and what it's like to be a client with you. Yes. And that's that the behind re- the scenes. That's the behind the mm-hmm. scenes. That's what we really focus on it, with our clients is specifically how can we create content that builds a relationship yes. and really makes them stand out in a human aspect, not in a, a corporate aspect or mm-hmm. a um, company aspect, but in a personal, like if I'm going to buy a home from you, yes, I want to know you. Yeah. Right. And no matter if you're at Gateway or somewhere else, I'm going to, I'm going to call Tina. Right. I mean, that's just the reality of, Mm -hmm. of business. So it's, it's about creating a content strategy that nurtures relationship building. And you do that through photos with your clients, through mm-hmm. showing the behind the scenes of your business. I mean, even some of the features that you see now, like Instagram and Facebook stories, they might seem a little uncomfortable, uh-huh. but it really is. It's so live and yeah. so you that it's really hard for people not to be able to get to know you. So when you're talking about meeting people online that don't already know your business, mm-hmm. That's how they're going to get to connect with you and and figure out who you are in a personal setting to know if they can build a relationship with you. Because we're in this world now where we have this opportunity to connect with people that never would have known our business. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right? Social media gives us that. The first impression is before you meet anybody now. I mean, it's face-to-face. It's all online. Yeah. So social media Mm -hmm. gives us us this platform that we can um, connect with people that wouldn't already know our brand. But that still doesn't mean that just because they see our Facebook page, they're going to buy a home from us. Sure. They still have to get to know who we are. So that... That relationship content is really important. So on that note, because we have a lot of real estate professionals that we obviously work with and that come in and represent uh, real estate here on the show. And what would you give on an advice on a personal page in in how to a, a percentage or when, you know, you see a, a lot of homes, you have got a new listing that's coming up. And what is that that magic? Yeah, they're, the magic number, yes. the percentage. It, yeah. It's hard to tell. But what I always like to say is think about for every piece of promotion that you're putting out, think about a piece of personalized content that you can put in there. And sometimes it's just a photo of you in front of your listing with your sign or a photo of you with your dog in front of your listing with your sign. 
What is That's that? That's a really great idea. I brought Bob here today in front of the house. The Bobcat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take yeah. Bobcat with Take you, Bobcat. right? Yeah. We got uh, him on the third one. Yes. <laughs> yes. We got him on the third segment. All right, Bob. So we got Bobcat in, in front of your listing sign and sold. And it, those small things, animals do really well, by the way, yeah. too, in social media. But it's those small things that just show that human side. Yeah. It, you know, it's not your profile pic where you look. Perfect. Exactly. It's you out in the field in industry. I need to borrow London. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, Anytime. take London please. with you. Uh-huh. For the love of God, please. Anything <laughs> you want. Or you with your clients, right? Yes. You at their closing, you stopping by and taking a picture in front yeah. of their house. Those types of content you mm-hmm. really can't pay money for. When you put those types of content pieces out, mm-hmm. You're not going to have to pay money because you're going to get the engagement that you really want. And that's what really matters. Yeah. Sarah, what about uh, your anticipation of social media trends for 2019? Where are we going? It seems to be evolving constantly. And it's, it's really actually even hard to keep up with. You know, where are you seeing us go with social media here in the next year or so? Man, I might scare you on this. Uh-oh. Oh, no. no. <laughs> so video marketing was obviously really huge in 2018. It's going to be just as big, if not bigger, in 2019. Um, there's the new features of Facebook Messenger bots that are getting great conversion rates and people are using. Um, anybody what did that, you say that again? It's Facebook Messenger bots. Bots. They're, yes. Okay, so, we'll talk afterwards. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're going to you. want to hear about you. this. You got yeah. me? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Facebook Messenger bots. And then really telling your brand story, using mm-hmm. the features like Instagram and Facebook stories to connect. That connection piece in the new year is going to be very, very important. It already is, but there's a lot of businesses that aren't really using it. And that's where you're going to get seen the most. And then obviously we're going to see a big push for AI, artificial intelligence. We're already seeing that. That's what your yes. Instagram stories yep. and Facebook stories are. Um, that's going to come even further and take uh-huh. over digital marketing. In my opinion, at least by 2020, we're going to see that a lot. And piece is exciting. Yeah, I, mean, it I, is I think and so. It's I mean, scary. It's, it's kind of well, you know, scary. I, I think it really depends on it depends on who you talk to, but it depends. So we've got a you know one of the mindsets of my program, uh, taking the hard road, which is about change. So it's always changing, but there is nothing out there that is more efficient for us in having an efficient life. Well, business, which defaults to our life, than technology. So mm-hmm. being able to advance through that process, and I'm not doing anything bad. I don't care what anybody, you know, and the idea that I can really get connected very efficiently and, and know what's going on and what's out there in the target market, I'm just really excited about it. So yeah. uh, no scare there for me, but I do, um, I am excited to hear about all this this stuff offline. So as we wrap up our time here uh, together, Sarah, what about a, a tip that you could provide on social media for our mortgage experts that, that listen to the show and the real estate yeah. uh, experts, your prime clients? Yeah. So consistency is always the biggest thing. You you can't post one thing one time in one month and expect that they're going to remember you next month. You have to consistently show up and the quality of your content is going to be equally as important. And then also, if I can say anything, is put your personality into what you're doing online. It It is so powerful to be able to see the person behind the brand or behind the scenes that I think if you do those three things in the new year, even yeah. if you're not super tech savvy, uh-huh. you're going to see some good results. You know, and I totally agree. Um, I, you know, when I decided to do exactly what you're saying for my business and it 
it compounded into everything that I've done since. My book was written after that. My coaching program that I've uh, started with after that. My whole, just by being willing to open up and connect as a person, which you just said, which was so hard for me to even comprehend, Mm -hmm. not being just that professional mortgage person, um, everything changed for me. And I will say that our our biggest platform for generating business in our mortgage business is is my coaching program Mm -hmm. because it's an opportunity behind the scenes they're seeing me I'm seeing them we're connecting on that whole other level so um, for all of the mortgage uh, professionals and real estate agents that are listening today a real shout out and a call to you call into the show uh, get connected with uh, with Sarah and really see how to take your business to the next level and not just the business and lead generation but the business and enjoying I'm actually getting goosebumps right now um, because it's really powerful stuff in um, being able to connect with the people that most likely want to work with you because that's what it's about you're going to be able to provide your most value to those people as well. So love what you're doing out there. Thank you. Uh, Sarah, thank you so much for coming in. And, yeah, thank you for uh, having me. We look forward to having you again in the near future. And that is the show. This is Tina Mitchell, your host, closing out for the day. And your co-host, Keelan Harvey. And we'll be here next weekend, same time, same place, right here at 1150 AM KKNW. And enjoy the rest of your Saturday. Till next week. Till next week. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, and Keelan Harvey, MLO 1330075, are licensed loan originators with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, and MLS 7233. The views expressed by the speakers on the preceding program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC.